We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Take your seats. So, um, in a moment I'll introduce Guy. Just before I do, Guy's going to be carrying on our preaching series in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, so we're in Mark, the last bit of chapter 10. And if you would like a Bible, stick your hand in the air and it will come to you right now. One of our guys will bring it to you. Keep your hand up uh, until it arrives. And um, yeah, and that will come to you. Guy and Heather are just fantastic. And, you know, me and Catherine, we couldn't do what we do without being part of a wonderful family of churches called Commission. And it's just been a real joy of ours to be able to hear and be encouraged by both Guy and Heather over the years. And they've just been a massive part of us and also of our church. And if, again, if you've been here for a while, you'll remember Guy speaking at the Odeon and also speaking on Zoom uh, during the pandemic. And I know that he's going to bless us mightily today again as we hear from him. So can we give him a big, big welcome? Thank you, Guy. It's a joy to be with you and a wonderful sense of uh, worship. Uh, you're very well led and very well served in terms of your worship team. I just thought they were, they were superb. I mean, we have the privilege of coming to many churches and uh, you're, you're, you're blessed, okay? They also are very cool because they wear Doc Martin boots. Uh, I know that because I live in London and Doc Martins are cool, so uh, everyone wears cool footwear around here, so what a cool church. Uh, led by cool leaders, uh, might as well say that, Chris. I mean, you're the smartest looking leader uh, I've seen recently. Um, so you're, you're well blessed. I, I hope you are encouraged and how exciting to be praying for the university and all that's going on there. And uh, exciting times which we're living. I've got friends, Malcolm and Pam. Uh, joining this church, uh, you're, you're blessed again, again one of the most precious couples in our life, but also one of the greatest leaders of Maybe that's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll use the mic. It's all right. I enjoy this. <laughs> it's everywhere you go. It's it is, everywhere sound. I go. It's standard. Making you feel at home. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Malcolm and Pam... Uh, Malcolm's one of the best leaders I've ever served with and uh, learnt a lot from him. So the fact they've come over here uh, to serve you and be with you, it should be really a great encouragement. So uh, great to be with you. Heather and I uh, have a privilege of travelling around and, and seeing a number of churches and uh, we're so excited to be able to bring God's word. And the prophetic, I, I just want to stir that in all of you this morning, a sense of what God uh, is clearly saying to you this morning that actually we believe and honour the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the prophetic is a very special gift because it does uh, strengthen, encourage and equip the church for its, its work of service. And so let's uh, be stirring that up this morning. I pray that Heather and I might actually stir you prophetically this morning as we come. Um, it's been a very tough time. Uh, I don't know your individual circumstances, but I know this. Uh, we live in London and uh, we know the church in London has been devastated in terms of numerically. Uh, typically, 30, 40% less people are coming to church uh, 
from two years ago, and that's not just New Frontiers, that's FIEC. And uh, there, there is a real challenge in terms of what happens next in terms of the church. And so I want to speak into that. I want to try and encourage you as best I can this morning as we're looking uh, at this uh, passage of Scripture. But I agree with that prophetic word. There's got to be more, hasn't there? Do you not think there's got to be more than this? More than what was before? You can't honestly believe that having gone through this horrible two years that the Church of Jesus Christ isn't going to be raised up to be center stage of everything that God wants to do in this nation. That this pruning that we've all gone through, this horrible season, will give birth to a different season. That winter will turn to spring. And in spring we'll see the first shoots, green shoots of God's life bursting up amongst the pavements and in the, in the gardens. So I want to ask you this question what do you want God to do for you now? I just want you to think about that. There's not a right or wrong answer. I think often people come and listen to preaching thinking it's going to be all about what I say. Actually, it's what God is saying to you. What, what, what do you want God to do for you now? Because if I was to be asked that question, I would be saying, I want to see more of God. I want to see more of Jesus in my life. I want to see more of his power in the church. And I want to see more of the gospel changing society. I want to see the power of the gospel that sees the sick healed, calls death to come to life and sees people turning in huge numbers to believe in Jesus Christ. That's what I want. And this passage this morning that we're going to read together I believe will stir faith in your heart as you leave this place to believe there is more and to be doing something about it by at least praying. And I've called this, I think it's probably up behind me, the heart cry that stops God. So let's turn in, the, in, your, in your Bible. By the way, can you also turn to Acts 4 and put your, put your Finger in Acts 4, because we're going to finish by praying a biblical prayer from Acts 4. But right now we're going to turn and read from Mark chapter 10. And as Chris said, it's the final few verses. It says, Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called him to the blind man. Cheer up. Isn't that a message for the church today? Cheer up. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love the whole church in our nation to do that? Cheer up. It's Jesus speaking. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. Go, 
said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So I want to ask three very simple questions and you can answer them how you, how, how you feel before, for, before Jesus. And the first question this passage asks of all of us is, do you just see a label? That's the first question. So Jericho, uh, and you're all well taught here, but Jericho was a city. Uh, it was a city that was about 15 miles north uh, east of Jerusalem. A city obviously very famous in the Old Testament because when the children of Israel were given the challenge to go into the Promised Land and they crossed over the Jordan, there was this first city, city number one, to, to take down. And it was a city that was walled to the sky. And uh, the way in turns out to be through a lady of ill repute, Rahab. And the strategy to get into this city was very unusual. It was to have a time of worship every day walking around the walls. And that was how God was going to deliver a city. Into, so, so whatever lies ahead of us, let's be prepared for God to do the unusual. But worship must be centre. So here we are. Hundreds of years later, and Jesus is coming out of the city. Now, the city has changed. They've rebuilt it at the cost of the firstborn. And what's happened is Jericho has become a uh, summer, no, it's a winter palace for Herod. And you know whenever the royalty moves into an area, you know how the area changes. So all the toadies, all the wealthy, all the rich... They all move into Jericho as well. It becomes a sort of a, a Hollywood of uh, that area. And you know what happens when you get wealth? You always get the poor. So where there was extreme wealth, the poor think, well, I'm going to move there as well and, and beg on the streets because you never quite know what you might get from a rich person passing by. And so we've got a guy who is blind. We don't know much about him in terms of how he, how he became blind, whether he was born blind or... But we do know that in those societies, blind people were regarded by the Jews as the lowest of the low. They were regarded as sinners, or at least their parents were sinners, and that's why they were born blind. So you could disregard them. You could put a label on them, and they were non-people. They were <laughs> excluded. You don't even have to stop you can walk on by the street and you can go to the palaces and you could admire all the people who have got prime labels of royalty and honour. And the first challenge I want to bring to you as we think about what lies in the future to, for the church is, do you just see a label? When Jesus gave his kingdom manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount, he comes towards the end of it in Matthew 7, chapter 1, verse 1, and he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. And I would suggest to you that if we are to touch our nation in a way we've never touched our nation in our lifetime before, one of the first things we're going to have to do is deal with judgmentalism in our hearts, which just sees labels. Now, every 
one of you is saying to me, I'm not judgmental. He is. She might be in front of me, but no, that's not an issue for me. Can I say it's an issue for every single one of us? And it keeps us building walls from another person because we put a label on it. Now, you want me to illustrate so you can try and get where I'm coming from. Well, just think about mask wearing and non-mask wearing. You're, you're immediately making a judgment on one side or the other. Think about the colour of a person's skin. Think about the maleness and the femaleness. Think about the judgments you make about a person who jumps ahead of you in the queue or the person who has long hair, the person who wears that item of clothing. How about the driver that cut you up this morning? A BMW driver. Isn't that typical of BMW drivers? Don't they all drive like that? We make judgments, and when it comes to people who are not like us, we make those judgments, and we are justified to not have to touch them. So the people of Victoria, as I walk down the high street, there are many people who are begging, and, well, they are people I can ignore, because they're not like me. I don't have to stop. I don't have to do anything with them, because they, they're probably... They're alcoholics, or, or, or I'll put a label of drug addicts, uh, undesirables. I can put a label and I can somehow in my own mind with those judgments feel I don't need to build a bridge to them. Instead, I build a wall. And I want to challenge us all that if we are to reach this nation with the love of Jesus Christ, first and foremost, we must deal with the judgments in our own heart. And repent of them. And ask God to see people, every person, as our brother and our sister. People that are made in the image of God. And that we are called to love unconditionally by the grace of God. So, God wants us to do great things in the years ahead. And it begins with us dealing with our, letting God deal, us, deal with his heart. See, a parallel sort of chapter and verse is found in Luke chapter 10. In verse 25 to 37, it's what we, we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. But what I want to just help you to see here is the person who came to Jesus was a good evangelical in our language. Because he came to Jesus and he asks a very good question. How, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was not asking a question, how do I become a Christian? How do I get myself right with God? He was asking this question. This is a question we all ought to be asking every day of our life. How do I live today so that I might gain every bit of heaven's blessing upon my life? How might I live that I receive everything God wants for me today, that God has won for me today, that I might live a flourishing, purposeful, wise life that makes a difference to this world? How might I live like that? And Jesus doesn't give an answer. Jesus says, okay, how do you sum up, evangelicals try and do this, how do you sum up 2,200 laws in the Old Testament? How would you do that? I mean, this guy is a genius. 
Because he sums it up in an amazing way. He says, well, I guess if you put it all together, it could all be summarized. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all all your soul, all your strength, all your might. Love him and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's how... You can live the most blessed, flourishing life. But Jesus, it goes on to say, but he wanted to justify himself. And the trouble is, Christians, we always want to justify ourselves. Half the problem with the church is we always want to be just slightly better, slightly more excited, slightly pray more, slightly give more, slightly be more evangelistic than him, rather than just being who we are made to be in Christ. He wanted to justify himself, and so they tell the story of the Good Samaritan. What's the answer to that? What's the challenge to all of us? Who is my neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. Second point in this story. Will you allow God to break your heart? It says many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I, I wish I was on a stage because I would like to do this with my kneeling down or sitting down and acting out what it would have been like for Bartimaeus. I'm going to close my eyes, if I may, just to illustrate the point. Here is a guy, he's stinky, he's smelly, he's lonely, and he's on a street, hoping today for maybe one or two coins so that he can afford to eat. He's listening to the crowd, he's listening to the noise, he's listening to the gossip, he's been listening to it for years, and the gossip is that somewhere in Judea there's a healer, a miracle worker, a a preacher whose name is Jesus. He's come out of Galilee and he's got a big crowd of people that are following him and there's stories, there's incredible stories, there's stories of lepers who had the most awful skin diseases, having skin like a new baby's. There's a story that he, he raised a young man from a funeral procession who was dead. There's news that he might have even opened the eyes of someone born blind. And Bartimaeus is asking the questions. What's what's, what's going on? What's going on? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then on this day, as he's sitting down, or he's placed there, as he's listening, he hears this hubbub just down the street. There's a crowd coming. And the, the ripple of gossip is moving down the street with it. And it's Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. It's Jesus of Nazareth. He can't believe it. It's like a lottery day winning for him. This could be his one and only chance in his lifetime. And as the crowd and as Jesus and the disciples get nearer, the noise of the crowd gets louder. Hey, whoa, yay! The noise is enormous. 
People are saying, Jesus. People are asking him things. People, that the toadies are creeping up to him. And there's so much hubbub around. And Bartimaeus is there. And it, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, shut up. He's interested in the big guys, the posh guys, the important guys. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Jesus turns and Jesus says, call him. Call Bartimaeus. Cheer up, they said, as they lifted him up, threw off his cloak. And he makes his way towards Jesus. Amazing what's just about to happen. But here's my point for all of us. Will you allow God to break your heart for people, for the poor, for the asylum seekers, for the Afghan refugees, for the little old lady that lives next door to you that no one's spoken to for six months, has got no family. Will you allow God to break your heart this morning? It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. The Puritan Richard Sibb says, when Christ saw the misery, his bowels yearned within him. The works of grace and mercy in Christ, they came from his bowels first. From the inmost core of the eternal Son of God came a move of great compassion as he looked at the need of this world. Jesus didn't look at this world and isn't moved by it. He's moved at the depth, at the core of his very being to reach out and to bring mercy and grace wherever people cry out to him. You see, in this story, if you were to try and be somewhat theological, you say, yeah, but what happens is Jesus calls him and he crosses over to Jesus But the truth is, Jesus has already crossed over from the eternal presence of his Father and the Holy Spirit across the whole of the time and the galaxy to come to this earth to show us what God is like. And I think if we are to change the world, we've got to allow God to break our hearts. We've got to become more compassionate, more loving, more kind. Now, when you prepare messages, how many of you know God has a sense of humor? It's the terrible thing about being a preacher, isn't it, Malcolm, Chris? It just is. So I'm preparing a message for you a few weeks ago, and I'm out on a freezing cold morning when no one is around to go shopping and I'm walking down a street and in front of me, the length of this building away, 
an old lady trips on a pavement and falls and smacks her head on a pavement. My first thought, I'm, just, I'm trying to help you here, my first thought is, I hope someone can help her. That's my first thought. I hope someone else is around and there is nobody apart from the same distance behind her, a person coming back late, very late, drunk, down the street. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to be a fat lot of good, isn't he? I'm trying to help you with all the wrong things, doing everything wrong. This is me. So I go, oh, I better go and help. We arrive at the same time, me and this other guy and this old lady. She's smacked her head open. There's blood all over the pavement, but she's also broken or damaged her, her hip. So she's in a lot of pain from her hip. So I'm down on the pavement asking how she's doing. And this guy, I said to this guy, can you ring the ambulance? And this guy says, yeah, ring the ambulance. And off he goes. And he starts giving the ambulance people a hard time. Okay, he, he's saying, he's, he's got a broad accent. And he, he, the people can't understand his accent. He's, he's from another nation. He's got a broad accent. They can't understand him. And he's effing and blinding. And I'm thinking, typical. This guy's a nightmare. In the end, I take, I, 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 he's, he runs out of signal. I have to phone and, 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 and do whatever. And he wanders off. And I go in my heart. Typical. Leave me here, freezing cold, on a street, with an old lady, and you just wander off. Ten minutes later, he comes back with a cup of hot, sweet tea. And he bends down to this lady, he lifts her face, he bathes her face, and he gives her a nice hot cup of tea. And he said, don't worry, I'll stay with you until the ambulance comes. Now, here's my point. All my judgments were wrong. He was the good Samaritan. He was the person who was going way beyond what was inconvenient to me to think, what does this little lady need in order to feel a bit of warmth on a freezing cold morning? God, by his mercy, will help us to come across many, many needy people. And what he wants to do this morning is prepare our hearts, soften our hearts, that we'll be, we will be a means of grace to each and every one that we touch. So let me finish with this message because I, I really feel God wants to help us. Actually, let me, let me illustrate one very simple illustration because Heather's done this and she'll never forgive me if I don't use it. Uh, you know... Why, why should we act in the way I'm saying? Because God acted in that way towards us. We were broken. We were beggars. We were, we, were, we were blind Bartimaeus. We couldn't see. We thought we were okay. We were living on, the, on a street and Jesus came by. Whether we were a child and called us or whether, like me, 16 years old and called me, Jesus called us. In all our broken lives, he tenderly put back together. And there's an art form called Kitsungi. And Kitsungi is a philosophy, it's a Japanese philosophy before it's an art form. And what they say is, if you break a jar or a plate or an item, 
It's all broken into hundreds of pieces and is useless and worthless. Each individual piece has no meaning or purpose. But what they say is that by rejoining the pieces with gold, a golden resin, this piece becomes completely and utterly unique as each piece finds its proper place. And here we have an example of a little pot that's been broken and re-glued, not with gold, it's just imitation gold, but it becomes a beautiful thing. And the Church of Jesus Christ, when it's working right, is a beautiful piece of kitsungi, because all of us are broken. All of us are undeserving. And by God's grace, he's poured us in, taken that broken shard, and as members, new members, it's so good to welcome new members, you are being joined to something beautiful, the local church. Lots of local churches, good churches in, in uh, Guildford, but you've been joined to this one. And in that joining, there is something of beauty in your togetherness. And uh, it speaks to the world, by this will all men know you are my disciples, how you have love one for another. So I want to finish by a, a final challenge. Final question is, will you cross the great divide. It says here, call him, says Jesus. Up to now, it's only been Bartimaeus calling. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up, came to Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing, isn't it? Do you ever read the Bible and think, what? 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 Jesus, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? I mean, imagine his disciples going, he's blind. He's a blind man. He's been blind for years, Jesus. What's wrong with you? Can't you see? But here's the challenge. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Jesus wants to know specifically the answer to that question. Oh, we want you to bring peace on earth. We want goodwill to all men. We want to pray for the nations. No, Jesus says he comes to us this morning as individuals and he says to us, what is it you want me to do for you? If you're not a Christian here this morning, Jesus has crossed the great divide. He's come from heaven to earth to show you what God is like. There's no God in heaven who isn't exactly like Jesus. Everything you say, well, I love Jesus. I love the way he does this, 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 and this. And that's what God is like. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this morning, he would ask you, what do you want me to do for you? This morning could be a day of salvation for you. You might say, I, I, I want to become a child of God. I want, I want to deal with this sin. I want to deal with the, the chains that lock me up. And, and Jesus will come to you and he'll save you and rescue and bring you into his family. Because he died to save the lost. He died to save those who would turn from sin and trust in him. He rose again to declare that he has the power to make a person new, to forgive a person for eternity and to make you a child of God. It may be, though, for many of us, the challenge is, will we cross the great divide? Will we start to live less for ourselves and live more for our neighbour? And by the way, this begins very simply in this church this morning, crossing the room. 
You see, when you get to this size, here's the, here's the problem with the church when it gets to this size, is you can just go to people like you. You can. You can go just to students. You can go just to middle class people, people with kids. But actually, that's not how God wants to do it. He wants us to walk over to people who are unlike us. They come from a different nation. They come from a different demograph. They're younger, they're older. I love it when students go and talk to old people. You can come and talk to me afterwards. It's just lovely. It's just fantastic to see how that happens because this is how the family of God needs to operate, needs to work together. And so I just want to finish with a couple of prophetic words um, because before we come to a church, we always spend some time, Helen and I, seeking God, saying, is there anything you want to share so I'm going to let ladies first. I'm going to let you go first because give me a break and I'm going to have a drink of water. I mean, in a way, I'm not saying anything different from what Guy's already said this morning. But we travelled here on the train and you go past lots of these houses that back have their gardens that back onto the railway line. And we were kind of playing this, oh, I wonder which tree's been knocked down. I wonder which fences. I mean, there were loads, obviously, after the storm that we've just had. And I, I found myself thinking, what is it about us that the minute we move to a house, we want to build a six-foot fence, wooden fence, in our garden? It's the m- optimum height, so when you walk out, presumably, you don't see anybody, because there aren't that many people who are over six foot tall, so you're not going to see your neighbour. You're not going to see them. But it's also the optimum height for the wind to catch it and knock it over, because we saw loads of that this morning coming here. And I just felt God say to me, all of this which Guy has been saying starts with the people that live next door to you. And we erect these fences that keep us separate from the very people that we're meant to be reaching out to. Our next door neighbours did exactly that when they moved next to us. They must have known who they were moving to. But they said to us recently, we really should build a gate in our fence so that we can get through to each other. And I just feel God, through this message and this picture, would say to you, Get rid of those metaphorical fences. Reach out to those people who you are near, your neighbours, and make a difference for Jesus. That is really very powerful and and helpful. You can do that today. I I, I can remember speaking in a church and and giving a similar encouragement. And so I said, everyone should know all our neighbours. It's not just... Who's, who's left, who's right, across the street. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, up, down. You should know them. Flats, know who they are. And uh, someone went home and said, we don't. And I, uh, my challenge was, and invite them into your home and have a cup of tea or a scone or whatever, a nice curry, whatever your culture is, do something like that. And they wrote to me three weeks later, they said they invited their neighbours in. They had about eight neighbours come in, and one of them came in who had cancer. And the one who had cancer wanted to know about Jesus, and they had an opportunity to pray. And that person died the week after. And this letter was just a moving letter saying, just your provocation to take down a fence, and just to go to a neighbour, and just to share the love of Jesus. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm just saying, you just... I'm trying to put this into practice myself. This week I had, I stopped on the streets of Winchester and was able to pray with a homeless lady who's been there for many, many years and talked to, shared her life. The next day I'm having coffee with a multi-millionaire in London 
again, he starts to tell me all about his problems and pain in his life. People are desperate to have hope. And you and I are the means of grace to do that. And our invitation is to have compassion and love them as Jesus loves them. So my prophetic picture, which again, please weigh this, was of a, uh, it was of a warship. It was like HMS Victory and it was in dry dock. And it was a picture of this church. And there was a new mast. There was a mast that had been fallen down or, or, or broken. It was being restored uh, beautifully. But there was two new decks being put on board this ship as it was being refitted. And one of them was for children. It was a children's deck. I could see it was full of playthings and things that kids would do. And I, I felt, oh, this church is, is going to have a, a great ministry in terms of children and youth and things like that. And the other one was... It was like a training, uh, it was like the Marines, it was like students and things like that. It was a very much a training deck where people were getting lots of instruction how to use firearms, fire cannons and sailboats and things like that. And I felt God wanted to say to you, he, you're in dry dock at the moment or you have been for two years but God is fitting you out for the next season for the high seas. And uh, so unfold the sails, the prophetic sails. Let's sail into God's purposes because the future is going to be wonderful. So I said we'd finish with a prayer. This is where we've all got the wrong versions, but I'm going to try and read from an NIV version. So if you've got a Bible, please turn to Acts 4 because I'd love the worship group to come up as well. um, Because we're going to finish with praise. But it's always good to, when you hear a message like this, when you think, well, I'm not quite sure how to pray, to pray a biblical prayer. Um, because we know that that's a good one uh, and guaranteed an answer. So I'd like you to turn if you, in your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your whatever technology you've got. Or if it's coming up on the screen, oh, that's even better. Praise God. I asked my PA to do that. Didn't happen uh, last time I asked a verse to come up and then I'm floundering. So why don't you stand? Why don't we all stand? Just think for a second about what we've just heard. Do you just see a label? Will you allow God to see, help you see a person, not a label? Will you allow God to soften your heart? Will you be willing as you leave this building to think, I can cross the street, I can cross this, the neighborhood, I can cross the city to go to that person who's not like me and share the love of Jesus? And then let's pray this, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful church. I thank you for everyone who's in here this morning. And I pray they would hear you, Holy Spirit, asking the question, what is it you want me to do for you? And may we boldly pray what it is on our hearts. Lord, whether we want to uh, see our office, our neighborhood, whether it's a neighbor that we want to learn to love, whether it's for the very first time to set out in a gift. And I pray, Lord, that you would turn this church upward first, that our sight would be on you, Father, And outward, Jesus, that we would engage in your mission. I pray this church would grow massively through people getting saved and added. This mission, Lord, to the university, I pray, breathe on it, Holy Spirit. Breathe on, Chris. 
Lord, for all of us, every one of us. May no one exclude themselves from this message this morning. Lord, it's you who are the good news. We carry the treasure of the gospel in broken vessels. But Lord, we want to make our lives count. And so, Lord, let your Holy Spirit go to work and let us put this word into practice in all of our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.